Hey, Paisans, the time has come. On the air since 2009, the independently produced, non-FCC compliant champ of video game talk podcasting. Here comes Tiger Claw Radio. Here's your host, Critical Failure. Yes, friends, it's Critical Failure. You are listening to Tiger Claw Radio. Welcome to the party. We're going to talk some video games, listen to some chip tunes, and have a good old time. And what a good time it is here in December. Where Christmas is coming, it's 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 the most wonderful time of the year, so to speak, uh, as long as your heat's on. All right, let's kick things off with some chip tunes. You're listening to TCR. Stick with us. <laughs> Oh, 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 
Yes, indeed. Back again. That is Galaxy Burst with Pika. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the signature on the file, and it looks like I put that um, in my chiptunes folder back in 2017. So, yeah, that one's been a good bit. An old classic, so to speak. All right. Um, so a few things have happened over this past week. Uh, let's talk about it. Here's one from my good buddy Alex Swingle scraping over uh, PCGamer.com looking for news. And they decided to make a news article about the game Cyrilim. Cyrilim, if you're not familiar, uh, it's an action RPG? No, it's an RPG, not an action RPG. It's an RPG where, and the way Swingle describes it, they combine Dragon Warrior, old school Dragon Warrior, with Pokemon. And you can collect monsters. And one of the things that's cool about it is that there's no cap on the leveling. So you can grind to your heart's content. This was the way it was explained to me. Um, and yeah, they just made an article saying, hey, this game exists. Collect and combine some 1,200 monsters in Creature RPG Serolim Ultimate. Oh, yeah. So yeah, game exists, and apparently that's new. So that's cool, I guess. Good for them that they made Thing, and Thing has, uh, has headlines. And I like that because that is game exists, and not horrible thing has happened with game development personnel. And a lot of that seems to be going on lately with this whole... Uh, Activision stuff. <laughs> apparently, apparently that hasn't been a great place to work. Uh, so, my apologies. There was a new Battlefield game. If you're into that, I guess. And a lot of people are talking about how a lot of people are not playing it. Which is kind of sucky for a game that, like, banks on its multiplayer experience. So, uh, like, I'm seeing that in, in the future being one of these dead multiplayer games <laughs> very, very soon. So you have that to look forward to if you bought the $60 premium on the new Battlefield game. Oh, here's a spicy one for you. GOG recommits to DRM-free philosophy as it struggles to stop bleeding money. Again, this is from PC Gamer. So GOG has been a mainstay of uh, digital distribution, at least for me, since I first got into this back in, what was it, like 2010 or something. Even back in 2010, I felt like I was getting into it late because Steam had been around for a while. And what I was hearing was things like, hey, I want to play, play the good old-fashioned Doom. Where can I go download this because you can't buy the CD anymore? Oh, they have it on Steam. Let's get into it. You know, that sort of thing. Back then, GOG has sort of run like a parallel course to Steam uh, and stayed because of its own having its own thing, doing old games and doing DR-free. Didn't matter if they charged a little more. and It didn't matter if, they, if they're... Uh, selection of games wasn't as big. It's because of these couple of principles that made it, you know, good to have a GOG account and pay attention anyway, right? I got a nice big external hard drive here, and you better believe that, uh, you know, in that hard drive is a folder filled with setups for all of my GOG games. If they decide to close my account or if the game goes out of business or something like that, I still have everything I bought. Can't say that with Steam. Um, but they've had some issues over the past couple of years. At one point, they ran out of good old games to, to reproduce, and they you know, started doing modern games and indie games and whatnot. And that introduced uh, modern DRM, which is a problem. And then on top of that, they had an issue with a game uh, last year. I can't remember the name of the game, but in a very small sprite on the wall somewhere in the game. It was a scary game. There was something about Winnie the Pooh, and because there was a mention of Winnie the Pooh being related to uh, China and its government, the game was banned in China, and because it was banned in China, GOG, in turn, dropped the game from its catalog and said, no, we're not going to carry it anymore. And 
a lot of people, including me, were, uh, were pretty upset about this because it, it, you know, really felt like they were uh, um, feeling the need of international censorship. Uh, uh, and it's like, I, I, I don't want to be affected by that their censorship. I, I, I should be able to buy the game, but no. So again, it's another issue they had. So they got a lot of issues. So apparently they're bleeding money, which is unfortunate because even though I didn't agree with them on this China thing, and uh, even though they have some games that do indeed require DRM, they did a lot of good things. They sell a good product, and I want them to stay around. <laughs> In addition, uh, GOG Galaxy. I'm sorry, GOG Galaxy is a pile of crap. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's, it's, it's bad. They promised it would be good, and it is not good. It is bad. It's confusing. It takes way too long to load games that are stored locally. Uh, even if you are going to check um, an online uh, account. And uh, I just I don't see using that to play something like Master of Orion uh, or, or Ultima Underworld or something that's very small in nature and should be able to be run 10 times over on my computer. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about uh, playing a game and, and having the, the CPU then has to run DRM, which takes 20 times the resources as the game itself. I understand that's the reality, but it ain't a good one. Um, so here's hoping we actually do see that uh, uh, change in the future, because an article like this, this this is uh, they're 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 recommitting to to DRM free philosophy. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you're recommitting. That does not say okay. Here is a practical thing that's happening. That does not say okay. Here is X Y Z thing we're doing. Um, and, and, and even reading this whole article, it's just talking about how much money they've lost, uh, and, and the fact that they're dealing with, uh, with, uh, Epic games is a thing now. Nowhere in this article do I see, all right, this, uh, here are the actions we're going to take. It's, uh, it's, oh boy, it's we're hot water for GOG.com. So God bless. I hope they get it together. Uh, and make new releases that are worth purchasing and I hope they fix up galaxy because that was a big disappointment. And I know I got people who listen to this, who use God galaxy, uh, galaxy 2.0, whatever they're calling it, uh, and enjoy it. And if that's the case, you know, awesome. I'm glad I know there's good things about it. It is cool that there are some old games that they were able to add achievements for, uh, and whatnot. Yes. You know, but I just don't like it. I don't like it. There's no invisible setting. If I want to log in and, and track my time in Master of Orion, because that's a game that people tend to put a lot of time into when they play it, I also have to be visible to all my friends. So then I have to explain, yes, I see you online. It's so cool to see you online. We are good broskies. I just want to play Master of Orion. Cool? Yeah, hope you're doing well. Take care of yourself. I'll catch up with you in like a couple hours. Steam doesn't have that problem. Now, to be fair, it took Steam a long time to get um, in invisible mode as well, but they did eventually fix that. Uh, and it's so nice. It's, it's so nice. I can just hide in my hidey hole and I can play my games and, and just pretend the world does not exist. It is really a nice comforting blanket for the mentally ill. All right. Um, one other thing in a positive note on an unrelated article, also on PC gamer, they start talking about uh, new Chinese GPUs with up to 10 teraflops announced. Look, as far as how powerful Chinese GPUs are. Um, that sounds wonderful. Super powerful GPUs. 
uh, coming from the Chinese tech market. Love it. Just give me something that's stable and something that's reasonably priced, and I'm totally down. Don't feel like you have to break new ground at this point. Just get me something. Get, I should be able to upgrade my graphics card for $200 and be okay, you know, easily without having to do like um, hours and hours of research. <laughs> that's that's because that's how it was when I built my computer. I, uh, I would like to see it go back to that way. Uh, but of course, this whole uh, blockchain thing has made that very difficult to do. So I've been super impressed with our handheld market. Uh, let's see if they can help us with making some GPUs be more acquirable. Again, just an article on PC Gamer with not a lot of specifics. Uh, so it could just be a pipe dream. Only time will tell. All right, so <laughs> Hemrock sent me an audio comment um, last night, and I was thinking at the time, I haven't listened to it yet, that it would just be an audio comment, it'd be a couple minutes. This looks like another, another guest host spot. Uh, so I'm actually really excited to hear this. Let's go ahead and go there now, and we'll listen to it for the first time together, and I'll be back um, in about 20 minutes when it's over. Hemrock, it's all yours, brother. Hey, hey, CF and company. Uh, it's Hemrock here. I uh, decided to send in a little audio comment in response to uh, Lab's audio comment. I got a lot to say. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than your typical audio comment, so I hope you will indulge me. First off, let's talk a little bit about Lab's comment. Before I get into the meat and potatoes of his questions, I do want to say, Kaz, thank you for sending the comments. Keep those audio tracks coming. I hope they become a more regular part of the show. But in any case, you asked about PAX South. You asked, why do I think PAX South was uh, shut down? Or at least I think that's what you implied. Let's get a few things out of the way. First off, this is pretty much just speculation. And it's also my opinion. So take that with a large grain of salt. I don't think COVID was the main reason that it got shut down. That might have been the nail in the coffin. But I think it was something else. Also, you mentioned pre-order ticket count, and just to be clear, they never sold tickets for PAX South 2022, so this was shut down before they even knew what the enthusiasm would be for this convention. And I also don't think it was much to do with the convention center or the vendors. The times that I went, so I went in 2015, 16, and 17, and it seemed like they had plenty of vendors uh, those three years. So I suspect vendors weren't an issue either. Uh, what I think it really comes down to is I think it comes down to money. I feel they weren't very straightforward in their um, their press announcement. They kind of were very, I don't quite know how to say it, but uh, politically correct. I would have appreciated it if they just came out and said, hey, you know, we can't keep the lights on with this convention. Either they're losing money or not making as much money as it's worth their time. I did try to look up to see if PAX was some type of nonprofit or 501 tax-exempt organization. I don't think they are. So I suspect that they've got to make money. They're a business, essentially. And so if they can't make money, then why put on this convention? I suspect that's ultimately what it comes down to. Could there be other reasons? Yeah, I'm sure COVID didn't help. Maybe the convention center increased their prices. Maybe there were f slightly fewer vendors, but I don't think uh, any of that was the number one reason. I did try to look at some of the uh, like 
look at the interwebs and see what other people were saying. And I did come across one forum that was talking about it, and it got political really quick. And there was kind of some hurtful things that were said towards uh, my home state of Texas, and I didn't really appreciate that. It, it was so frustrating, I actually stopped reading that forum. But uh, it's possible politics played into it. I suspect it all comes back to money. Uh, but man, PAX South was great. And the biggest complaint that I hear from the PAX organization is, oh, well, it was small. Well, so what? So what PAX South is small? You know, PAX talks a lot about diversity, which is great. But what about diversity of size? Isn't it okay to have a, a smaller convention? I actually prefer it that way. Uh, however, again, if it comes back to money, and they're like, yeah, we just don't sell enough tickets to pay for this huge convention center. Totally understand that. But uh, why not just downsize it? Downsize it a little. Why just strip it away? Uh, I also checked the Twitterverse, and people were like, wow, now I'm not going to be able to go to PAX because PAX South was the closest one, and I... I'm not going to be able to get to Seattle or Boston and almost certainly not Australia. I just don't quite completely understand pulling out. I can understand downsizing it, uh, just reorganizing it. But man, just pulling out, that that's really a gut punch. Really a gut punch. And over the last few years, I have not lived in Texas uh, completely. So I, I, I did move and was away for a few years and I've uh, come back uh, about a year ago. Uh, so I missed some PAX South uh, conferences. So I, I went to 15, 2015, which was the first one, and then 16 and 17. And I subsequently left the state. And when I was gone, I didn't return for PAX. And I regret that. I regret that. I wish I, wish I would have gone back, especially if I would have known that they would have pulled the plug. It was one of those things I took for granted. I'm like, it's going to be there when I get back. So I don't need to worry. So. Yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Because we don't have anything quite the level of PAX around here. There's some other somewhat larger conventions, but nothing on the size of PAX. And I think the organization loses something when they restrict themselves to the East Coast and West Coast. I think there's, there's part of the, the country that needs to experience that that um, PAX has a lot to offer to them. And this, the people of this area have a lot to offer to PAX. And it's, it's unfortunate that they just decided to um, pack up and leave and perhaps throw the baby out with the bathwater, as it's sometimes said. So those are my opinions. Uh, but bottom line is I suspect it comes down to money. And I wish they were maybe a little more straightforward about that. But then again, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was, it was other things. So those are my thoughts. Also, you mentioned Tiger Fest. I'm on board with Tiger Fest. Um, I know we're still in this age of the pandemic, which, um, you know, a smaller PAX South, wouldn't that be a good thing if we were in a pandemic? But whatever, whatever. I need to stop talking about PAX. But, you know, Tiger Fest, uh, when, the, when the moment's right, when uh, CF says it's okay, uh, I, I plan to be there. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, uh, a few other things you said. Yes, Xbox 20th anniversary just happened back in about the mid-portion of November. So about a month ago now. If you want to know more about uh, the Xbox, a little bit about its history, I recommend the Retronauts. They did an episode 
uh, back in November, or at least I think it was released in November. Because they also have a Patreon, and if you're not part of their Patreon, they release it later. But I think they released it sometime in November on their website for free. So if you're interested, go over to uh, Retronauts.com, I believe. If you just search for Retronauts, it's going to be the first or second link. Uh, really pretty good podcast. It's put on by professional game, uh, game journalists. So there's pluses and minuses to that. But overall, overall, it's very well done. Uh, you asked about the controller. I prefer the smaller controller. I know uh, CF mentioned he likes the Duke. All the more power to him. Uh, I actually did not have an Xbox when it released. I actually had a PS2 because PS2s, it was you know plug and play for DVD capabilities, and it was and it came out before the Xbox. But uh, what I mean by plug and play with the DVDs is you didn't need a dongle. You didn't need to buy an extra accessory for the DVDs. Uh, if you remember, if you wanted to play a DVD on a light on a Xbox, you needed uh, an extra controller and dongle, and that was, I believe, due to licensing agreements, because it would have been horribly expensive to pay for pay pay Sony essentially a licensing fee for every single Xbox that was sold. So instead, they just bought the license for every one of the dongles that they sold. Uh, so I, it was probably a smart business move, um, but uh, the Xbox seems to play DVDs just fine. Really like the Xbox um, nowadays. Like I said, didn't pick it up back in the day, but uh, I think I picked it up around like 2011-ish. And it was the Raspberry Pi before the Raspberry Pi. It was the Tinker's Tool Chest. A uh, lot of cool capabilities uh, with the Xbox, even to this day. You know, Xbox Media Center is still a thing. Probably not as popular as it used to be, but it still works. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the games that are on the Xbox. For whatever reason, I like playing Morrowind on it. Although it, it looks uh, subpar, suboptimal compared to the PC version. But I'm okay with that. It's just something about throwing it on the TV, sitting back on the couch and playing it with a controller. Just a different take on it. Magic the Gathering, they actually had a pretty good game. It wasn't uh, the Magic the Gathering we all know and love. It was this other kind of action-based, somewhat strategic type of game. Uh, that's kind of a hidden gem, if you will. Uh, but I won't get into all the games of the Xbox, the ones that I like. But there's plenty of games on the Xbox that are uh, likely to please a wide audience. So in any case, moving on to White Castle. You asked about the White Castle restaurant. And you know what? I've never been to one. I've seen them. I'm not sure they have them here. Maybe they do. If they do, they're not big. But, you know, I've never been there. So isn't, don't they sell, like, sliders? Like, it's not quite a hamburger. It's like half a hamburger or a quarter of a hamburger, but you can buy a lot of them. That's cool. Maybe one of these days I'll get around to going to a White Castle. Well... I appreciate you guys sticking around for this long, and CF, feel free to edit this however you wish, but I would like to play a chiptune for you, and then I've got some retro news, so instead of sending in an email too, I might as well just get it all out in the audio comment. So, if you will bear with me, I've got a tune for you by C. Error, or Serer, not quite sure how to say his name. This is from the 8-Bit Collective. It's entitled Cheeky Girls Fast Food. Funny name, but serious track. It's just some poppy chiptune goodness. I'll see you on the other side.
All right, welcome back. Let's get to uh, some retro news, some quasi-announcements. I did want to mention a few things on the Discord. So if you've been over there recently, you may have seen some photos that I posted about the PS1 controller. Uh, I've told the story multiple times now, but back in the 90s, one of my next-door neighbors came over and we were playing PlayStation. I think he just got frustrated. I don't specifically remember what happened, but I vaguely remember either my brother telling me this or witnessing it myself that he literally took a bite out of the PS1 controller. And to this day, you can see a piece of the start button missing. Now, it's not a huge piece, but it's a piece of it. And I I finally got around to finding the controllers. I uh, was at my parents' house recently, and so I'm like, oh, great opportunity. Let's go search for these controllers. Well, it turns out they weren't there. Like, I, I searched where they should be, and I found the old PlayStation, but no controllers. And I'm like, great. That means I must have them. So then I looked in my archive, and oh, lo and behold, there's the PS1 controllers. And oh, yep, there's the one that's missing part of the uh, start button. Uh, anyways, I, I threw it up on the Discord because I, I think I said I, I was going to do it. So I finally got around to doing that. So uh, Also, I believe uh, Mr. Jim RPG joined the Discord. So big shout out to him. I've been following his channel recently. He's really big into the retro handheld community. And he has a great YouTube channel if you like retro handhelds. He also talks about uh, graphics cards as well. Uh, I think some of the some PC type stuff in some of his older videos. But seems like a really, really nice, relaxed guy. Uh, I've been on his Discord. He's also on the Retro Handhelds Discord. And now he's made his way over to uh, TCR. So I told him a little bit about TCR. Sent him an invite. So big welcome to Jim RPG. Now moving on to some retro news. As you have come to expect, there's new retro games. So this time, not a Game Boy game, but uh, an NES game. Uh, It's a puzzle platformer. So as uh, Critical Failure would say, it's like Solomon's Key, but worse. I don't know. I haven't played it. I just watched the trailer. It's called Witch and Wiz. Uh, The ROM is available on their itch.io site for $10. Uh, It looks like a professionally produced game. So $10 is pretty reasonable for the ROM. Uh, I really like it when they sell the ROM, keeping it legit. Uh, However, if you are into physical media, you can buy a limited deluxe edition, that's their wording, uh, for $85, and that's being produced by Limited Run. So let's take a look at what this uh, physical edition includes. So you've got the classic box. Of course, you have the cartridge. It looks like it's a black cartridge that's also semi-translucent, so that's a little new. Of course, you get a dust sleeve, instruction booklet, and oh yeah, an official guide and poster. All right. You know, 85 bucks, am I going to buy it? No. Uh, But if you're into physical games, it seems kind of reasonable. Picking up a game for the NES back in the day, you're looking at inflation you know, 85 bucks is probably about what it would cost, if not less. That's cool. Maybe I'll get the ROM. I'm not I'm not a huge puzzle platformer type of person, but it does look cool. And so I'm giving them a shout. Uh, also, there's this website. I just stumbled across it today. It's called Pie Packer. I'm going to try to, uh, as an aside, I'm going to try to put these links on the Discord 
So if you guys want to check them out, you can. Uh, this Pie Packer website, I believe it's something new that similar to like GOG and Steam, they're trying to be legit. And I'm sure there's some illegitimate sites where you can stream ROMs. Well, this site's trying to stream ROMs legally. And it looks like they are paying for the licensing and it's free to play. I imagine there's advertising associated with it and that's how they pay their bills. But it might be something worth checking out. It looks like they have multiplayer options. So that's cool. People trying to keep it legit. They have several games and they're notable games. Um, things like Sensible Soccer, Earthworm Gym 2. Uh, looks like they got a pinball game, Glover. Uh, Glover's a big one. Looks like they have one of the Worms games, as Worms Blast. Uh, they also have some of the like neo retro stuff like micro mages, Xeno Crisis. Uh, what else do they have here? Descent Two. Uh, they got this fighting game, Rage of the Dragons. Never heard of it. I uh, have a Worms Pinball. So they've got some interesting stuff. If you're into streaming games, probably worth a look. But that is Pie Packer. PiePacker.com. So what do we have next? The GB Studio. So GB Studio has been mentioned before. This is essentially like RPG Maker, but for the Game Boy. And you're not just restricted to RPGs. It can also be used to make platformers, uh, shmups. I suppose if, if you're good with the program, you could come up with a variety of combined genres for all I know. But uh, GB Studio has released a version 2 beta. I'm not 100% sure how old this release is, but I just found out about it today. So it looks like it has been updated recently. If I just had all the free time in the world, I think I could really get into this. It, it seems it would pair very nicely with the GB operator or Game Boy operator. I know CF has mentioned that before. Not only does the GB operator allow you to dump your ROMs from your legitimate cartridges, but it can also put ROMs onto blank cartridges. So it just seems like these two would go really nicely together. You know, you make a game, then you can, or you could set up your own little site on itch.io, distribute your ROM, and then if you really got some fans, you could somehow get these blank Game Boy carts, which I don't think are that cheap. Um, I suspect they cost 10 to $15 a pop, but you could theoretically have a small release of your game on hardware that people can play on original hardware, on their old Game Boy Color that they ha had since they were 12 years old. Uh, it just seems like a, a great, fun idea. Now, granted, it would take a lot of time and a lot of effort, but it really fascinates me. I'll put it that way. So... GB Studio, I think it's um, pay what you want, if I'm not mistaken. So it's theoretically free. So you might want to check that out if you're into it. It also reminds me of RPG Maker. Last time I was talking to CF a few days ago, uh, he gave me a link to one of his videos because we were talking about something else. We were talking about another YouTuber, actually. A YouTuber is not here anymore, or at least doesn't post frequently anymore. And... He said, oh yeah, I remember tagging that guy way back in the day, and he sent me his old old video on YouTube. So I'm watching this tagged video like circa 2009, I'm like, I don't ever remember watching this. And one of the random clips he shows is from RPG Maker, like his, one of his old RPG Maker games. 
And I was like, man, RPG Maker. I forgot about that. You know what? I think I have that. So I went on my Steam library, and sure enough, RPG Maker 2003, which I probably picked up for five bucks on some crazy Steam sale five years ago or something. And I was like, you know, I need to get into that. So I started watching RPG Maker 2003 tutorials. I also started searching for assets. I just thought, you know, it'd be so cool if I could get like Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy V slash six character and overworld assets, but then combine that with the character portraits of Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, I don't know, it just, it just kind of struck me. I'm like, can I even do that? And I really didn't get to dive into it as much as I wanted to this weekend. It's drawn me into this world of uh, SNES-styled RPGs. And so then I started looking up a few videos of some RPG Maker 2003 games. And I just really like the art style. Just, like, doesn't get much better than, than some really, really nice pixel artwork. At least for me on these uh, Japanese-styled RPGs. So if you're into that, again, RPG Maker 2003 really kicks it old school. They've got a lot of other RPG Maker tools that have come out since then. But I would love to hear uh, CF's RPG Maker 2003 stories, because I know he has spent a lot more time in that program than I have. Is it 2003? I mean, correct me, CF. Or was it 2000? Are you kicking it really old school where you're like, can't even use MP3s. You got to stick to the middies if you're in RPG Maker 2000. Um, but love to hear some stories or anybody, whether it's CF or um, Kaz Labs did in another audio comment, whoever. Uh, in any case, moving on, let's see what else I got for you. Okay, last little topic here. Retron 5. What do you guys think about the Retron 5? I've toyed with the idea of getting one of these things. It's, it would be nice to have an all-in-one console. I understand there's limitations to it. It'd be nice just to have something where like, okay, I just want to throw a Famicom game in and boom, plug in the Famicom game. Oh, I got a Game Boy Color game. Oh, just throw that Game Boy Color game. It's just something that projects to the TV. It sounds like you can uh, back up your save games for your um, for your Game Boy games, which I think is stellar. Also, speaking of going and scavenging stuff from my parents' house, uh, when I was over there, I saw a couple Game Boy games. I'm like, okay, cool. These weren't mine, so they had to be my younger siblings' games. And it was Zelda Oracle of Seasons and Zelda Oracle of Ages, both of them, just sitting there in the drawer. One of them's in pretty good condition. The other one's seen better days, but they're for the Game Boy Color. And I just assumed they were my sisters. And my sister happened to be at my parents' house when I was there. So I said, hey, do you mind if I have these? And she's like, oh yeah, whatever, I don't care. So I'm like, sweet. And I booted them up today. And lo and behold, one of them still has a save game. And it's actually my brother's name that's on it. So maybe they're my brother's games. I should probably uh, talk to him before I just uh, decide to file them away indefinitely in my collection. (laughs) Uh, so that's kind of cool. Man, that battery, the, this was made in 2001, I believe. Well, actually, I take that back. So when you plug in the game, it comes up with like Nintendo, you know, copyright 2001. But if you turn the game over, because keep in mind, the Game Boy Color cartridges are clear, right? So you turn it over, 
and you can see the board. And the board says 1998 Nintendo. So I wonder if they were just using a bunch of spare parts. And then circa 2001, they put them all together and then burned the Zelda ROM on it. But yeah, and then you can see the battery in there. And the battery has a stamp from 2000. December 2000. It still works to this day. That's nigh 21 years later. And my brother's save is still on there. That's amazing. But I would love to get a Retron 5 and back it up. And then replace the battery and put it back on there. I don't know. Maybe I should send it to him. And he can play it again. Uh, he was really into the Game Boy Zeldas. Uh, especially Link's Awakening. I think that might, might be his favorite Zelda game. In any case, Retron 5. What do you guys think about it? There's been some controversy about the software. Uh, where the software, they didn't get the full permission that they should have. Retron 5, tell me tell me what you guys think. Um, Alright, so I've talked a lot. I want to close this out with another tune. I'm really into this Sea uh, Error or Sarah guy. Uh, I don't know if he still makes content, but again, he was from the old school 8-bit collective. You can find him on the archive on archive.org. This last one is called Close Encounters. Again, it's by Sea Error. Enjoy your encounter, and I will be right back. That was another good one. It was good to be with you. CF, thank you for allowing me to steal some of your listeners' time. Again, feel free to edit this however you wish. It's your show. Uh, But uh, I, I love being a part of it. So anyways, take care. Keep rolling retro. Hemrock out. Hemrock, man. Awesome. Good to hear from you, brother. A lot of good stuff there. Let's go over a few of the notes I took. Going way back to the beginning, one of the first things you talked about was liking the smaller controller for the original Xbox. If, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that was called the S model. But personally, I have one of those and a Duke hanging around because, in my experience, most people preferred that 
model. Now, when we played the Xbox back when it was new, we had the Duke first, then we got that S model, that smaller controller, and everybody else seemed to really like that S model, and I stuck with the Duke. And then getting older, you know, enter the internet age, uh, when I talk to people, they always tell me they like the S model. So I am definitely in the minority on this one. If you're not an original Xbox guy and you're tracking one of these things down, you're going to want to find that S model controller. That's where the real comfort is. Um, next thing you mentioned was the Xbox Media Center probably still being a thing. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, XBMC, right? It was, uh, if you had an OUYA, they ha XBMC was downloadable for the OUYA, so you could use it in that capacity. XBMC later changed their name to Kodi, K-O-D-I, and it's still around, and it's still an amazing piece of software. So if you have a Raspberry Pi or something like that, definitely install Kodi. I've got a version of it that runs on my Android TV box, and I know it has all these plugins that you can use to like illegally stream things. That's primarily what people use it for. I just like it because I can hook all of my localized like DVDs that I've ripped up, up to it, and then it will bounce it off of a, a database and assign everything a thumbnail. And I, I can basically make like a Netflix-style streamable movie database that all runs from locally stored movies, you know, that looks nice. And, they're, you know, it's my local stuff, so nothing can go down unless I want it to. Uh, really good piece of software. Yeah, definitely still around. Then we come to Jim RPG. Uh, thank you for mentioning him and shouting out his channel. That is awesome. Because I didn't know uh, that that was a thing. Um, I am involved in a tabletop RPG development jam, and I posted the link up in that in their forum. I was like, hey, guys, if anybody else is involved in this, I have a little Discord. I'd be happy to you know test play any of your tabletop stuff. Uh, and there was one guy who developed like a, a an RPG, like a, a a magic item generator or something like that. So I thought that was where he came from. I thought he was like, like G RPG as in like tabletop RPG. But no, this is a handheld guy. I looked at his channel and he's got some really good stuff. So thanks for for shouting that out. And I put a link to it. If you're in the Discord, I put a link to it uh, um, right under all the the uh, links that Hemrock posted. Okay, so that's Jim. And next we come to RPG Maker. So uh, the RPG Maker stuff that was in that video, that old tag video, that actually was RPG Maker 2000. Now, back in those days, before Steam, the only way you could get it was by playing a, uh, um, like a pirated version that was translated unofficially. It was Don Miguel's RPG Maker. Um, all of that was built in 2000. We did get 2003 back in those days because that also had an unofficial release. But the big difference between the two was that RPG Maker 2000 had battles that played a lot like Dragon Warrior 1 from, from uh, Nintendo. And RPG Maker 2003 had a, a different battle system where you could see your own characters from the side view, a la Final Fantasy, you know. Um, and NG and I, who used to develop games together, he very much favored RPG Maker 2003, and I very much favored RPG Maker 2000 because I got really good at making cutscenes, and I was able to manipulate the system really well. 2003 was a superior system. Don't get me wrong. I just I just liked 2000 better. I don't know. And, and when I got older and it came out officially, um, if, if I go download RPG Maker 2000 now and I open up my save file, it doesn't work anymore because it detects that it's a different version of RPG Maker 2000, which is really sad because I still have the vast majority of those uh, save files and stuff. I just I don't know how I would make it something playable. Um, 
as far as 2003 goes, that's the one you said you have. Still a great system. I am, I'm all about it. If you want to uh, reinstall that and just like have some fun making some unofficial RPG Maker stuff and passing it back and forth. That's what NG and I used to do. We had a game where he would make a dungeon and I would make a dungeon and we would pass it back and forth and it was one game that would kind of grow um, as sort of like a freeform disjointed Dungeons and Dragons slash RPG Maker uh, 16-bit experience. It was a beautiful thing. It was a wonderful piece of like uh, creativity uh, um, in in a type of thing you know game environment environment well it's where it's normally very difficult to be creative or at least the pro- the creative processes you know has uh, um, has its learning curve yeah let's do it reinstall that let's have some fun um, then you asked about the retron 5 uh, I'm down with the retron 5 it's a little pricey for me though if you're big into to um, physical games I think it's a good solution I'm aware that we've had people here on the show before who have said, uh, I think Demez in particular was big on, hey, just get a, a series of um, of EverDrive carts. And yes, they're a little expensive, but they're more authentic. Um, yeah, okay, that's true. But the thing about the EverDrive carts, uh, hang on one second, is that it's not just a matter of... Uh, the carts it's you get that's five systems that you would have simultaneously hooked up each with their own uh everdrive cart and that many systems takes up space now for some people that's no problem you know if you if you look at uh battle station pictures or it's like yo man this is my retro setup godspeed man there's nothing more i would love so much to have like a local bro who has a who has like a like a a retro setup, you know, with the couch and the, a bunch of consoles all in a, like a little shelf. I don't have space for that because I have little children and not just having little kids, but I made the decision. I, I say this on the air frequently when it comes to parenthood, I made the decision that I would rather have my toys uh, available for my kids and have them break things rather than make a beautiful game room that that is just for dad and the kids can't touch it that sounds like an awful way to go for me and i'm so glad and because you know been a dad for 12 years now so glad i did that because i got some stories about some awful stuff happening just in beautiful video game hardware but i also have some memories of playing some amazing games with my kids and right now when it comes to to playing games with other people with the exception of maybe my brother because i dearly miss playing video games with my older brother defense um there's no one i'd rather play video games with on the planet than my kids uh um and and with the occasion uh the exception of my brother and also my wife when she plays uh when she plays tetris attack or pokemon puzzle leagues Pokemon Puzzle League. She's not a big video gamer, so she doesn't, you know, much into video games. But those couple of games, she is a killer at, an absolute killer. So, yeah, getting to this point where I have a family of filled with playmates costs me some gear. <laughs> I distinctly remember my son, uh, who's got ADHD. When he was two, before we knew this, he was standing in front of um, a Sega Saturn that was, to be fair, it was already kind of broken. And he had the lid open, and I can't remember what disc was in it, but he had the lid open, and he was just moving the disc back and forth like a DJ. And I was just like, 
I, there's no way I can blame him for this. He shouldn't be able to reach the, <laughs> the Sega Saturn. But at the same time, the heartbreak. You know? I've, I've owned three Sega Saturns in my life. Three. One that I bought when I was 17 that broke really quickly. Another one was given to me by Jerry Terrifying, which he gave to me just out of the goodness of his heart because the original one broke so quickly. He was like, yo, man, I got one here. It's for you. But it wasn't packaged. I mean, no disrespect to Jerry. It had issues with the packaging and it broke in transit. Uh, and then the, the third one was from uh, um, Desm. Almost dropped a real name there. Uh, Desm, again, sent it to me, just bro status. He was like, yo, man, this is one of the greatest consoles of all time. I know you had some bad experiences with it. Here you go. This is for you, brother. And I still have that. And that one's put away just because it's delicate. Um, I, I want that one to survive till my kids get a little older because if they get into this uh, classic gaming thing, then, hey, dad has, uh, dad has a Saturn you can play. I'm starting to realize that's probably not going to be an issue because now that my son's 12 and he is not only, uh, he doesn't only play games, but he's developed his own taste of games. He, it's no longer that he'll play anything. He, you know, has things that he likes, things that he doesn't like. He's, you know, it's one of the great things about parenthood. He is a fully, de uh, uh, um, he's a fully complete person. I was about to say fully developed. He's not fully developed yet because he's 12. But he has, he, he's not a small version of me or my wife. He is his own person entirely. And he likes different games. And part of it is because um, his brain works different from me. And a big part of it is because the culture is hugely different for him. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine being 12 years old in a time where internet, <laughs> in a time where, gosh, even just USB is magic compared to what we had in 1988 when I was a wee young lad uh, seeing the big spaghetti mess of cables. We used to have around our Nintendo, uh, and it was very common to see a couple of controllers and then like the Nintendo Zapper and then like a couple of cables for just local things that we had hanging around would all sort of intertwine and we would inevitably get this cable ball. <laughs> it was a, a tangle mess around the Nintendo. My kids, they don't, they've never dealt with that with the exception of when they're digging through dad's drawers because, you know, my old controllers and stuff that aren't hooked up, they send, tend to make a similar cable mess. They've never had to do that. So, let, so let's bring this back to the Retron 5 because this is really what, what, how I got down this rabbit hole. One of the things that I love about the concept of the Retron 5 is returning to several different consoles that you can play the physical games for, but not having to deal with the spaghetti mess. That's, that's where I think it would really shine. Now, for me, I don't play the physical games a ton. I do still some, but I don't play them a ton. I'm a digital distro guy. Um, I, I, I like ROM hacks and stuff like that. Uh, so if I got a Retron 5, a number one, it wouldn't be played a ton. And number two, I would still be in the market for those, uh, um, uh, Everdrives or some, some sort of solution where you can play, you know, the, the ROM hacks or, you know, games that are newly developed, things like that. But th they look awesome. The, don't get me wrong. The packing controller looks like doo-doo. Like the, that controller that's like the universal controller for all systems Oh my gosh, that looks awful. But, you know, it doesn't matter because it has ports for everything. 
Also, another thing about the Retron 5, it has a slot for Game Boy games. Oh, yes. Uh, you mentioned the Game Boy Operator. For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, the Game Boy Operator is a disk drive for your computer that runs Game Boy games. You put them in there, you can manipulate Game Boy games, play them, save them, do stuff with your regular computer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so the, uh, this is another solution to the Game Boy Operator if you like more of a TV solution. Uh, I was super disappointed at the, I can't remember what it was called, but um, that company that made the little tiny cube-like console that plays Game Boy Advance games, and it turned out to not run very well. Oh my gosh, I was so disappointed in that, because that thing looks, as far as like tech that looks cool, that is like got my vote for coolest looking tech of the, of the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know, maybe that's a bold statement. Maybe that should go to the handheld market, but, but I was in love with the way that thing looked, and my heart broke to hear ba how bad it um it actually functioned so that's a score that 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 is a point for the retron 5 because you can put a regular game boy game in it and boom load it up play it on your tv you know i don't know um a lot of stuff to think about there when it comes to these old systems i'm, I'm like stopping being interested in uh, um you know building a legacy to pass on to my kids and i'm starting to realize that they are going to build their own legacy and that's awesome that's the natural flow of things however if they like Mario Kart, Dad still has the original Mario Kart, and that's awesome. But uh, for you dads out there who have younger kids, when they get older, expect to take a little heat for liking old games. I think that's also part of the natural order of things. My dad was a big chess fanatic. He, he loved chess uh, in his college days. He, he's dead now, so I, I can't get the, the details, but... The, the way the story goes, when he was in college, he was flunking out because he was spending too much time on chess uh, rather than on his studies. You know, very similar to these days, people who get too involved in video games. And in that, in that way, I mean, I didn't flunk out of college because I did college when I was, you know, much, much, much older. I, did, I started college in my 30s. But in that way, we had that in common because I was kind of that way when it came to video games. Um, yeah, and so I look back at him get, being into chess, and I'm like, my goodness, I can't imagine something so boring uh, just because I can feel the generation gap. In reality, I love chess. It's an amazing game. If you don't play it, you should. But um, I see what he spent all his time on, and it looks weird to me as a younger person. And now I see my son looking at the stuff I spend my time on, and he thinks it's weird because he's a younger person. You, you see the, the natural flow of things? Years ago, when he was little, here on TCR, I talked about his, um, let's see, my Sega Genesis, right? When he was very little, I was like, you know what? When my son turns four, he gets to have my Sega Genesis. And this kind of sucks to think about because this was when TCR was like a lot more popular than it is now. <laughs> some, some of the people who listened to it then don't talk to me anymore. But I had people who gave me Sega Genesis games, gave, G-A-V-E. You know what, bro? Here's you can have this. It's a good game. You should have it. Sendu did this a couple of times, uh, and I think part of the reason that was a thing was because, you know, that was all going to Junior when <laughs> he got older, and he's 12 now. He's not four. He's 12. I've sat him down multiple times and I'm like, Hey, look, you know, I have this collection that I prepped for you to have, and he's like, Dad, I'm so sorry that I'm not interested. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you were super excited to pass this on, but, you know, 
<laughs> well, what was the game he was super into that, that, that blew my mind? He was going to his friend's house who had an Xbox One and playing the most recent John Madden football. Think about that for a minute. He told me how excited he was. He wanted to have an Xbox. This is a couple years ago now, but he wanted to have an Xbox because he wanted to play the latest Madden game. He, didn't, he doesn't know those games have been coming out for 20 years, and they've all been, always been the same game. He doesn't know that. So <laughs> he's like, all right, calm down. <laughs> Let's talk about John Madden football. I've got Madden 2003 for the PS2. It cost me 99 cents. It's very similar. I'm not going to say it's the same game because I realize it's a long piece of time between the PS2 and the uh, um, Xbox One. Look, I'm not dumb. I, you know, I'm old, but not that old. Uh, but hey, man. This is this is a system where that's a franchise where you want to play a generation behind. That's what you want to do because this is sixty dollars now and it's going to be a dollar next year. <laughs> uh, but try explaining that to a twelve-year-old. Just try it. <laughs> He's entering that phase where you know when they're really young, they look at you and you're the, you're Superman, and then at one point they change their mind and suddenly you're you know like an autistic knuckle dragger that can't put a sentence together, and that's kind of where he is right now. Uh, which is even worse because my oldest son has a very high IQ and is actually legitimately pretty intelligent. Uh, like I know every parent says that about their kids, but he's 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 legit pretty smart, legit smarter than I am and or was at that age. So it just makes it harder when I'm like, I like Tetris. Hey man, you want to play Mario? Oh, you mean you mean did you get Mario Maker? No, I got I got Mario on the Nintendo. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll give it a try. Thanks, Dad. So, that is a severe tangent about generational issues and things um, that all boil down to, yes, I'm on board with the Retron 5, but it's a little costly. That's really the sum of all I wanted to say in all of that mess. So, forgive the tangent. Uh, What an awesome audio comment, man. That was so nice that you did that, because uh, I don't think we really have a whole lot in the YouTube um, studio. I'm going to pop it open and take a look. See comments. Yeah, we got one from uh, Mecha Menace who posted, shouldn't this be on your TikTok? I don't have a TikTok. (laughs) I'm kind of afraid to open a TikTok at this point because I'm a 37-year-old man, and it just feels weird to me. Um, I realize that that could also be applied to my activities on YouTube, and I, uh, and Twitter, uh, and if you are a 37 plus year old man or or adult of any gender, um, and you want to get on TikTok, then by all means go for it. It just to me feels a little weird, uh, so it's just not my thing. It's just a personal hang up. Nothing against TikTok. God bless. I I really like seeing TikTok highlights. If someone says like, "Hey, here's a funny thing I saw. Check it out." I I will. I like the the, the short little videos. I liked. Uh, I can't even think of what it was called now. What was the other version of TikTok that was older that eventually closed its doors where all the videos were only seven seconds? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Gosh, I wish I could remember what it was called. And that was when, uh, what's his name? That was when iDubs was like super popular and he was really big on that site, I think. Oh, well, I can't think of what it's called. Feel free to yell at me at the comments. All right, give me a second here. Um, Nothing new there, but I want to go... That's just for this video. Let's go back in the dashboard a little bit. Go to content. Um, and comments. 
pull out the ones I haven't responded to. Yeah, we got a few. That's not bad. Alex Swingle. Good brother, Alex. 18 minutes in. He says the magic was never there for Hammerwatch. The DLC was just hard mode expansions that expanded upon the bad mechanics. We play Hammerwatch for the filthy casual experience, as well as the fact that it's so difficult for us to play something uh, we all like that's better to play a middle mountain experience uh, than nothing at all. Thus, Hammerwatch was chosen. I'd say that's a fair statement. It's a little bit of a bleak statement, bleak outlook, but it's also 100% applicable, which is very common if you hang out with Swingle. You hear that a lot. Uh, I, ha I still have it installed. It's a good pickup and stim kind of game. I just hope we find a real game that fulfills those prerequisites before I go insane. Me too, brother. Um, me too. <laughs> when I first read this comment, because he put this up three days ago, I uh, was thinking, well, we should just revisit some of the games that we know we like, because there's games that you and I like, and there's games that you and Sean like. There's very few games that the three of us like together. Uh, you know, along with the rest of the group. So, like, we could go back to Blood Sports TV. You know, we could play some more Resident Evil or something. Revisit something. I don't know. I don't know. I just like playing games. I don't get to do it much. Mm. Quake Horde Mode is good. All right. So, Quake released uh, an update to their updated version where they added a Horde Mode. And I went bananas. I loved it. I made a little video of me just talking about how excited I was for a minute long. If you haven't seen it, it's nothing worth watching. Um, but it actually did well because I put it up the day that that happened. So somebody said, uh, "What was the, what was the mean comment?" I was so happy because I don't get I don't get mean comments anymore. I'm not that I'm not that uh, popular. But I actually got a mean comment on this, which just pleased me to no end. This guy said, "Huh? I didn't hear about this. Guess it was because I was outside talking to people IRL." That's pretty good. I like it. I like it because it's like. It, it's almost like somebody who's nice, who's making fun of people who would be mean. It almost seems like a fake mean comment. Uh, which I, uh, but you know who really got upset about it was Mecha Menace. Mecha Menace replied with, stop chewing with your mouth open. An abandoned program, that's the, the username, said, did I strike a nerve? Maybe you should also go outside. <laughs> Mecha Menace says, hmm, not enough vitamin D, Grover. Abandonware program. These responses seem AI-generated. You um, are you sure your frontal lobe is in working order, <laughs> Mecha Menace? You make as much sense as wearing wet underwear. Uh, wait, make a, as a wearing a wet. Oh gosh, I'm gonna read this real slow because reading is very difficult for me. You make as much sense as wearing wet underwear, cardboard, in a tundra. Got him. That's really funny. First of all, Mecha Menace. <laughs> really awesome that you came to my aid don't worry too much about people who leave uh you know mean comments that's part of the 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 uh it, it's part of the youtube experience one of my favorite ever is the one that i believe is on my oh man i can't remember which one it was but one of them was like i bet your room smells like dirty underwear and farts or something like that and i loved it so much i pinned it uh yeah mean comments i i enjoy them that's the reason I'm such good friends with Alex Swingle, because he's also very good at them. <laughs> uh, pay attention to mean comments, because there could be, because they, you know, a lot of times there's a, a little sliver of truth that uh, is packaged around um, somebody who just didn't get hugged enough. So, uh, yeah, so that was the thing. Um, yeah, we got a couple more. Hang on a second, my wife just texted. And I, th I think that's it. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Tiger Electronic Handhelds. That's a video I made a couple of years back that did really well. Like, after the fact, garnered a lot of attention. Um, somebody said, hey, I always wanted to play Sub Wars. You know what? Sub Wars was good. The, the Tiger Electronic Sub Wars. To give you some context, the games I talked about in that video uh, was Tiger Electronic Sub Wars, Tiger Electronic uh, Paperboy, and what was the last one? I think it was Baseball. Yeah, Tiger Electronic Baseball. That was it exactly. Sub Wars was the best game out of the three. I can't remember much about how it played, except that you had uh, you had a grid that was used to uh, represent like quadrants and then you could move around the grid and in addition to that there was also some other gameplay it's pretty complex for a tiger electronic game it, it had it was pretty good pretty good um don't have any of those anymore but uh that was definitely a thing if you ever find a copy of sub wars out in the wild like i found this one um i don't know if that'll ever happen again but yeah it was a good time um i am out of time it's almost two o'clock and this has to go up today. I didn't even thank the sponsors. This is a Patreon-sponsored program. Big thanks to Hemrock, Tecmo Balls, Darabka, and Eric Kentroller. And you know what? In addition to you four gentlemen, all of you out there who have supported TCR in the past, those of you who have and don't anymore, I want you to know I am still so thankful for every you know second you put and every little piece of, of resources that you put into TCR. Um, I'm thrilled that we've had uh this little cult following that has maintained over the years thank you all so much i hope you've enjoyed the party um i feel like there's some tcr changes coming in the future um that i want to talk over specifically with the supporters so like we have to mess with the format to make it more feasible because i'm struggling to get these out now and like this was really fun to do this it was it was a slog to get it going but once i started recording it was so much fun it was so much fun um so i'm i'm feeling that we're going to do some format changes in the near future um thank you all so much and for those of you who don't support financially time really is the most valuable currency so thank you for the time that you spent here hanging out talking about video games and just chilling. I encourage you to join the Discord. Even if you're not like a Discord guy, uh, it makes it easier for me to share links with you. Like Hemrock put all his own links uh, for, for games and articles that he was talking about. Makes it so much easier for me. I think uh, um, running a Discord is more fun than running like an old website back in the, the GeoCities days, which I used to love to do. Uh, yeah, so jump on the Discord um, if you want or don't. I don't know. I'm not the cops. Uh, but I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to put Dave's song at the end, which I typically do. Uh, yeah, but we passed the hour mark, so I feel good. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. See you next week.